as they were on the way there, their city was on fire. And all of their wives, when they arrived, all their wives, all their children had been taken captive. Imagine, I want us to imagine if you were David. Put yourself in David's shoes. Imagine if you came home from work one day, or you came home from the grocery store, and your house was on fire. And all your car was on fire. Everything that you had was on fire. And back in these days, they didn't have bank accounts, the local bank that they put their money in. All of their possessions were gone. Imagine if all the money in your bank account tomorrow was completely gone. Because it was such a blessing having the stimulus check. Remember, they, the government gave us all that money? Well, think about it. If they could give us the money, they could take it out, right? It can all go away. Imagine, imagine if you put yourself in David's mind, in David's shoes here. Everything that he had, everything that he loved, everything he had taken security in was gone. It was completely gone. Everything. And he was alone. And, all, and these men that were with him, and they were distraught. The Bible says in verse number four, they wept until they had no more power to weep. They were completely broken. Firstly, I want us to see in this passage, David's problem. David's problem. David was going through a disaster here. David was going through a difficulty. And you and I can relate. All of us have gone through problems. If you haven't ever been through a problem, you are either going through one now or you will go through one in the future. All of us can relate with David with this. And yeah, maybe your house hasn't burnt down and maybe you haven't lost all of your family, but all of us go through difficulties and all of us go through trials because at this point in time, David was relying on his strength, on his military expertise. He was running. He was doing what was right in his own eyes. And what David didn't realize what was happening was he had taken his eyes off of the Lord. And the Lord was allowing this difficulty, this problem to happen so that he would look to him. We're all going to go through difficulties just like David. And when we do, how will we respond? Well, let's look how David responds here. Verse number six. And David was greatly distressed. And the people spake, for the people spake of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself and the Lord his God. Imagine, you lost everything, your house, all of your family, and now your best friends, the people that have fought with you, your encouragers, your prayer warriors, your Sunday school class, the people that you love and that you've been through it with, imagine if they were so distraught that they wanted to kill you. They were willing to kill and stone David. He had nothing, and he realized it, and he looked to the Lord, and he encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. It would have been very easy for David just to say, I'm a man of war, and he had fought battles before. He had destroyed different, different Philistines, different villages. He could have relied on his own strength. And many times when we go through trials, we try to figure it out in our own mind, and we try to just do it in our own strength. But David doesn't do that here. We see an example of David realizing something that you and I need to be reminded of every single day. Life is not about us. It is not about our comfort. It is not about our security. It's not about us at all. It's all about Jesus and David realizes this right here he encouraged himself and the Lord he looked again to the Lord and if we're not careful we can look at stuff and we can look at things and we can look at treasures and we can look at America and all the comforts that we have we can look at these things and take comfort in these things more than looking in the Lord 
looking at him. David, he encouraged himself in the Lord when he had nothing. When he was brought to the lowest point, he looked to the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. And how did he do it? Look what the Bible says, verse number seven. And David said to Abiathar the priest, to him like son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him. Oh, I love that. Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover what? Oh, I love this. David, he inquires at the Lord. He asked Abiathar for the, the, the priest for the ephod, which would be equivalent to what we have as the word of God. He said, I gotta hear from the Lord. I gotta hear from him. And he inquired at the Lord. He says, Lord, shall I go? Is it your will that I go? He didn't just go in his own strength. He didn't just wake up and say, I'm going to work like I did yesterday. I'm doing what I was gonna do. I'm doing what I planned. No, he asked God, should I go? Should I go? Will you deliver them into our hand? Will you give us the victory? And look what God says. He answered him. Every time, every time we inquire of the Lord, every time we ask our God, he hears and he answers. Every single time. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says it over and over and over again. Jesus says, cast your the Bible says, cast your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Jesus says, cast your burden upon me. Time and time again throughout the Bible, we see it. The Bible says, come to the Lord. Ask the Lord. Seek the Lord. And those that seek him will find him. If they seek for it with all their heart, we have a promise. We see here David's problem at the beginning. And right here we see David's promise. God says, go pursue. You will recover all. Imagine if you're, you're watching a football game or a basketball game and, and imagine if this team, before they went into play, if, if somebody came up to them and they said, you're going to win this game no matter what. Maybe they had paid off the refs. I don't know what they did. But they said, you're going to win no matter what you do. Imagine the tenacity. Imagine the boldness. Imagine how they would play if they knew they were going to win no matter what. Well, you and I, we're on the winning side. You and I, our king, Jesus, has already conquered the grave. He died and he rose again. And he's returning soon, any day now. You may say, no, when knows the day or the hour. That's exactly right. But Jesus gave us the birthing pains, the signs of the, of the times. And you see wars and rumors of wars. And you see pestilences. And you see earthquakes in diverse places, natural disasters. And if you look around, we're seeing all of that at the same time. And you may say, oh, well, people have been saying Jesus is coming for years. But all of these things are happening at the same time. Our king is coming. He's on the way. He He's on the way, and it's exciting knowing that we're on the winning side, knowing that Jesus Christ is our king, and we're going to heaven. Praise God. But let me ask you, who are you taking with you? David here, he has a promise, and you and I have been given a promise. The Bible says that God's word never will return into a void. But it will always accomplish that which he wills. When you pass out a gospel track, when you love your next door neighbor or the random person at the gas station or at McDonald's, wherever you are, when you love people enough to share the gospel with them, realize that God 
never waste his word. God's word never returns to him void. Jesus has given us all a commission. The great commission is not just for missionaries. It's not just for your pastor to share the gospel. It's for every single one of you. We're all on the same team. We've all been given. We've all been called into the ministry of what? Reconciliation. We've all been called as ambassadors. We've all been commanded, go into all the world and preach, which means to proclaim the gospel to every creature, both here in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. It's not just what missionaries do. It's not just giving money and saying, oh, well, I hope they go and do it. We're all in this together. There are lost people here in North Carolina that do not know Jesus. And God has commanded us to go into all the world. The majority of people have stayed here. So God is sending people from all over the world here to America. And you, it's no longer you have to go over and praise the Lord. I hope God will call more people out of this church as missionaries. But God is sending people here. And you, you can share the gospel. And you can see God use you. When you share the gospel, it's super simple. You just you pass out a gospel track and you can ask him. Can I ask you a question? If you died right now, where would you go? Where would you go? Would you go to heaven or would you go to hell? And if they say, I'll go to heaven, then say, well, praise the Lord. Why? Why would you go to heaven? Why would a perfect, holy God allow you, a sinner, to enter into his perfect heaven? Ask them questions like that. And I know you may say, oh, it seems scary, and I don't know what they'll say. Hey, we have not been given the spirit of boldness, uh, the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. God's word says it time and time again. We have been commanded by our King Jesus to do a job. Why? Why do you think? Why do you think we're saved? Why do you think those of us who are saved are still here on earth? Why are we not in heaven? What's our job? What's our job here on earth? Just to go to work and work a job and live a normal life like everybody else, like lost people? What's the difference in our life and theirs? Why are we still here? We've got a mission. Our king has commanded us to go and to preach the gospel, to go and to reach others with his gospel message. What's one thing you can't do in heaven? You can't share the gospel with a lost person. There's no lost people in heaven. So why do you think we're still here? Why, why is your heart beating in your chest? Everybody feel your heart. Hopefully it's beating. And hopefully it's not beating quite as fast as mine is. But as long as your heart's beating, God's got you here for a reason, for a purpose. There are people that you know that don't know Jesus. And you can share the gospel with them. And we may not, we're not always going to see people saved on the spot. But the Bible says some water... Some plant, others water, but God gives the increase. It's not us who save. It's just God who has chosen to use people to get the gospel to other people. Imagine if someone that shared the gospel with you, imagine if they didn't. You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be in church tonight probably. God used that person to give you the gospel, and he wants to use you to get the gospel to other people. It's very simple. And when you give God's word, God will save because it's his job, and he specializes in and saving souls time and time again. I could tell you about Dauda. I could tell you about Walid. I could tell you about Ali. I could tell you about Abdul. I could go on and on and on and on and tell you about people that God saved all because his word was given to them. This isn't a job 
for the spiritual elite. There's no spiritual elite. This is a job for all of us. We're all on the same team. And just as David here, he had problems. We all have problems. David here, he has a promise. Go, David. Pursue. You're going to recover all. And look what the Bible says in verse number 16. Let's look what the Bible says. And when they had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from twilight unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them, save 400 men, which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered what? All that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And there was, what? Nothing lacking to them. Neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil, nor anything that they had taken unto them. Read this with me. David recovered all, just like God had promised. Our God is faithful. That song was so good and so true. Our God is faithful, and our God never fails. And his promises always come to fruition. And our king has promised that he will save if we will go, if we will give the gospel, he will save souls. Our king has promised that he's returning soon. Do you believe he could come tomorrow? Do you believe? Do you live every day? Oh, just awaiting his return because he's coming soon. He's promised he is, and he always keeps his promises. David here, he recovers all. When God told him, God told him he would recover all, and he recovered all. God has given us promises, and when he promises something in his word, he is faithful to, for that promise to come to pass every single time. Every single time. Look what the Bible says. Verse number 20, and David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, this is David's spoil. And David came to the 200 men, which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Bezor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. We see David's problem at the beginning. We see David's promise that God gives him, and we see David's provision. God promised that David would recover all, and David got a whole lot more than he had before. God provided big time for David. All the all the different cities that these Amalekites had stolen from, all of the little cities in the, the, of the land of the Philistines and of Judah, all the resources, all the money, all the flocks, all the herds, all the stuff that they took they were in a huge camp, and they had it all together with more people than you could see. God brought the victory through 400 men. It was a miracle. God gave them the victory and gave them all this spoil. And let us look carefully. Remember those 200 men that stayed behind? Remember that they stayed by the stuff. These, they're, they're, we're going to see verse number 22. Look what the Bible says. Then answered all the wicked men of Belial, of those that went with David and said, because they went not with, look what they say, us. We will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered, save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. So these men of Belial, they got to look at themselves. They got to focusing on themselves. 
they said, we are not going to give you guys of the spoil that we have gotten. You can have your wife and your kids and you can leave, you coward. That was their, that was their mentality. That was their attitude. Selfish. Selfish and wicked men. Let's look how David responds. Verse number 23. Then said David, ye shall not do so, my brethren. In other words, no way, not happening. With that which the Lord hath given us. I love this. These men talk about themselves and what they did. What does David say? With that which the Lord hath given us. Who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. Is this not beautiful, church? Do you see this? It's beautiful. Because these men, they start thinking that they did something. They, start, they started thinking that they were someone special. That the, the, all of the spoil that they had, all of a sudden, that they earned it through their hard work and through their fighting abilities. They started thinking that they did it. And look what David politely reminds these men of. He says, we're not going to do that with, with that which the Lord had given us. And he says, the Lord, by the way, the same one that preserved us and the same one that delivered us the enemy into our hands. David tries to help them remember. He tries to remind them of something. It's not what we do that's important. It's what he does. How were we saved? How were we saved? Did we, were we born into the right family? Did we do all the good things to earn our salvation? How were we saved? For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. The fact that we're going to heaven when we die was purchased for us by our Savior, Jesus. There was nothing we did to earn it. The job that we have has been given to us by our King. The health that we have has been given to us by God. If you, you have a job and you have a lot of money and you can look and you can say, oh, look at how great I am. In a second, if you think like that, you will fall. And you will soon have nothing. And you will soon realize it is not you, it is not what you do, it is not what you've done that matters or is of any importance. It is our God. Church, may we take a few minutes and just realize and be still and know that he is God. Without him, our heart would not be beating. Without him, we would not have the health we have. Without him, we would have nothing. We would be nothing. We are nothing without our God, and we need him. And David is helping these men realize it's not what you've done. He preserved you while you were fighting. It was him that was protecting you. And look what David does. He gives of the spoil that he has to all of his friends and all of his family members in Israel. He has a generous heart. He has a compassionate heart. He knows our God. David was a man after our God's own heart. And he said, we're not going to do wickedly like you said. As his part is that goes down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. All of us 
have been given the ministry of reconciliation. All of us have been commanded to go in all this world and preach the gospel to every creature. All of us have a job to do, and that is to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I realize that just like there were 200 men that were exhausted. They were distraught. They were discouraged. They were tired. And I think they wanted to go down and fight, but the Bible says they made, they made them to abide by the stuff. They're like, guys, you're too weak. You need a break. You're exhausted. Please stay here. And these men of Belial thought, you guys are cowards. But David's saying, no. What did David do when he came to them? He saluted them because David realized that the job that they were doing was extremely important. They were tearing by what little stuff they had and they were resting and they were praying and they were supporting and they were doing a very important job, equally as important as those that were fighting. Because these men that were tired, these men had fought with David. These men had given, these men had prayed, these men had supported, and they were continuing to do that. And the job that they had, though it was looked at by the men of Belial as less than, David says, it is the same in the eyes of God, and we will divide the spoil evenly. The souls that God has saved in West Africa, they are fruit, not just for our sake, they are fruit that abounds to your account. The Bibles that those in Ghana have received by the hand of Arno, who God saved, that, those are souls, that, those are fruit that abounds to your account. All of it, all of the churches, the, the several churches that have been started in Burkina Faso, and all of the hundreds of churches that will be started in Benin, and all throughout West Africa, that is all fruit that abounds to our account. We're on the same team. We have the same mission. And don't ever think, don't ever think that because you are going here and you are giving and sending support to missionaries that are going in other parts of the earth, we've been called to reach people both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Don't ever think that your job being here is less important. We couldn't do the work that we're doing as effectively as we are without your support. Financially, yes, but more than anything, your prayer support. You guys write us letters, and that means the world to us. Sometimes when you're overseas, it's like out of sight, out of mind. You feel forgotten about it. No one remembers you, and no one reaches out to you, but you guys do, and that means the world to us, that you would think about us, that you would pray for us. Where we're going is the birthplace of voodoo, and honestly, we don't exactly know what to expect. I mean, our next door neighbor is a witch doctor making potions. There's Ouija boards and there's all sorts of voodoo dolls and crazy stuff that we don't even hardly know that much about. All we know is we have a message that they need to hear. And we could lose our lives. When it was two military coups in Burkina, there were terrorists on roads that we drove on. We could lose our lives. But I want you to pray. That according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also shall Christ be magnified in our bodies, whether it be by life or by death. Pray that Christ would be magnified. Pray that souls would be saved. Don't pity us. We have nothing to lose. Christ is our life. When Christ who is our life shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. If we are dead... Our life is hit with Christ and God. We're crucified with Christ. And if we die, 
we know where we're going. But if they die, they're going straight to hell. So pray that if we live, and we're not going to do anything crazy, but pray that if we live or if we die, that Christ would be magnified. Pray that thousands of churches would be started all over the world as a result of this powerful buck and this gospel message of Jesus Christ. One day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Think about this, think about this. The worst thing that can happen to us is really kind of like the best thing that can happen to us at the same time. Right? Right? I mean, if we die, we're going to heaven where there's streets of gold and there's no more death and there's no more tears and we'll worship the lamb who was slain, who is worthy to receive all glory, honor, and praise. The worst thing that can happen to us is kind of like the best thing that can happen to us. And we get to live that way. But realize this, that's not the case for most people. Jesus said, wide is the gate that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, but narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. In other words, Jesus said, most people are going to hell, and very few people get it. And so if you're one of the few, realize you're going to have problems in life. This life is not void of problems. But we have a promise from our God that when his word is given, he will save souls. And when we receive provision from God, may we never think that it's ours to keep for ourselves and do what we want to with it. May we realize that everything that we have has been given to us by our king for his glory. God will always give more through us than he will ever give to us. God is a wise father. I see my little sons, Azariah and Asher, walking around. They asked me for a, a moto a few times. They've asked me for all sorts of different things. And if I'm a wise father, I tell them, no, I'm not going to get you that moto. Even though they think they want it, it'll make them so happy. I'll tell them, no, it's just not wise. Our God is like that. He's wise. He gave David provision. And not just these men of Belial. Because he knew that David would be generous. And David would give that and use that for his glory. We're all going to have problems. We all have a promise. And God has always provided for all of us. And he will continue to because he is faithful. He's faithful. No matter what happens in life, through the problems, through the difficulties, through the trials like we sang about, we can realize this. Our God is faithful. Our God is good. Our God will always come through because he's given us a promise. And he's always faithful to keep his promises. And he has provided so much for you. And he will continue to. May we be careful to use everything that he's given us for his honor and for his glory. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for each and every one of my brothers and sisters in here, Lord. Thank you for their faithfulness, Lord. Thank you for those that are going and fighting. And thank you for those that are staying by the stuff, Lord. Father, I pray that you would encourage our hearts. I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would do a work in our hearts like only you could do. And that you would be magnified and receive all the glory, honor, and praise for it is you alone who are worthy of that. It's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. While our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, let's stand around the house tonight if you would. And I just wonder, while uh, Brother Wilkerson was preaching tonight, I wonder who it is that you need to slip out to the altar tonight and pray for. What soul, what friend, family member, loved one,
that means a, a whole lot to you, but yet they're lost. And unless you're missing something, they're probably on their way to hell. And tonight, tonight, maybe you'd just slip out, find your way to this altar and just mention their name to the King of Kings and just pray something like this. Lord, would you save them? And Lord, would you open a door? Would you open up a door of opportunity for the gospel to get to them? Lord, I sure want to see them get saved. And there could be, there could be somebody here tonight. And truth of the matter is, you need to come to Christ yourself. And so if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, that's me. I, I need the Lord. I really need to be saved. Hey, would you just slip out right now? Would you just slip out and come? And we'll meet you here. And we would love to take a Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. Will you come? Quite a few folks have slipped down the altars. Anybody else? Preacher, I'm saved. I, I am saved. I know that I'm saved. But boy, after hearing, after hearing this message tonight, man, I need to get more fired up about the things of the Lord. I need that fire. I need that burden for souls. Maybe that's you tonight. And this evening, you would just slip, slip down here to this altar, rededicate your life to the Lord and say, Lord, fire me up. God, give me that fire. Help it to burn brightly. Folks, continue to come. Anybody else? Well, Lord, we thank you for this message tonight. Lord, it has challenged me. It really has. Oh, God, I need to be a better soul winner. There's not even a doubt about that. God, forgive me for when I fail. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to be, Lord, help me to be better, help me to do better. God, I pray that you'd help, help us all to be better. God, help us to be soul conscious. Help us to be looking for those that need Jesus. And God, I pray because of this service and because of this message, I pray that many souls will, will be in heaven. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the Wilkerson's. Thank you for Brother Wilkerson and the message tonight. God, thank you for challenging us concerning this thing of getting the gospel to a lost and dying world. Oh, God, help us, help us, help us. And then, Lord, you know, you know what's in the hearts of these that are in the altars this evening. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would seal those decisions. I pray that you'd save those loved ones. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be the servants that you want us to be. Thank you. Wow. So good to be in church tonight. Lord, what a blessing. God, thank you. May we never get to the place where we take this for granted. Thank you, God, for letting us be here. And thank you that your Holy Spirit has manifested himself here tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can look up this way tonight. We're going to sing this little chorus.